Holy shit, I won. I won. I'm going to Las Vegas. All expenses paid. Woohoo! Today's process is this. False feedback. You can run away with the circus. Sit back, relax. Let's light the lantern. Well, hello there, Rangers. Wade Skalski here, lawyer, online entrepreneur, and your guide to the understory. Because this place is filled with monsters and bandits, here comes your first warning. Although I am a lawyer, this podcast is not for legal advice. In order to work with me, you must have a signed agreement. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right, let's enter the understory. Remember, admission is free, but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, Rangers? All right, how is everyone doing today? It is Wednesday today. So, we are gonna talk about running away with the circus today. What does that mean? So, when in 2013, no, 2000, let me actually look this up. 2000, oh, I did some pre-show, pre-show research and then I immediately forgot. 2003, all right. So, in 2003, there was this guy named Chris, Moneymaker. And Chris Moneymaker uh, was a poker, was an amateur poker player, and he won uh, the World Series of Poker in 2003. Now, to give you any idea of what kind of accomplishment this would be like, this would be like you pick any professional sport. Let's say basketball. No, no, let's do let's do golf. Let's say that you were like an amateur golfer, and you just kind of went on the weekends and play golf, and then you went on, you got into the U.S. Open, and then you won the U.S. Open, like tin cup style, right? Except for you won, you didn't you didn't auger in on the, the 17th hole or whatever, you just you just won the whole thing. And he changed poker. I mean, this is rounders had just come out a little bit before that, and that was with uh, Matt Damon and uh, Edward Norton, and actually a really good movie, super rewatchable. I watched that movie six thousand times. Pay that man his money. He beats me. Pay him. Uh, little Teddy KJB into in impersonation again. That's probably my best impersonation and best impersonation that I can do for my horrible bag of impersonations. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Money. You gotta say money. Anyways, so. <laughs> Anyways, I like games. I've always liked games. I was uh, anything where there is, you know, probably why I became a trial attorney for so many years. Uh, I did debate. I was a chess player. You know, anything, anything where there's a large amount of data and you have to make choices. Like, I love that. My brain just, just eats it alive. Okay. And so... Um, there's and so and during that time you could play poker online for money and there was uh, Full Tilt was one of the poker sites I don't know if it's I don't play poker anymore but I don't know if it's still one of the sites or whatever but I started to play I was in I was in California 2000 yeah 2003 I just gotten there because I yeah just got I had just gotten there or I was just about to be there no I just got there and I didn't know what I was doing I wasn't making any money because I as par for the course back then I would just pull the trigger on things and then figure it out right um, I'm I because I had done that and I'd moved to California I was able to move to Virginia Beach with confidence and do this um, similar thing it wasn't as rocky moving to Virginia Beach because I had you know 17 years of developing different levels of skills but that you know even back then I would just be like I'm moving to California I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go to LA and we'll talk about that in some different podcasts about all that stuff but let me take a sip here one moment mm. delicious coffee this is a uh, e pluribus unum E pluribus unum, uh, I don't know, I was told there's no Latin today. 
uh, from anyone. Uh, that's uh, from one from one from many, whatever. That's what. So that's not that. Some important saying about the country, America. And that's uh, from CrusaderCoffees.com, plural. And don't have any. Don't just a nice guy. Keith runs it. Veteran. Good coffee. I don't have any um, link or affiliate link to it myself. I just drink it. So that's my drink of choice today. And so anyway, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do, and I started playing poker online, and I actually got really into it. I mean, I bought, you know, I bought books. So just like when I played chess, I bought books on chess openings and I just studied chess openings from games that were played like 200 years ago, uh, you know, and that helped my chess game. So I did the same thing with poker and I got really, really good at online poker and I played it a lot. Like you can play it in your underwear at all, all manner of night, you know, it's the, the world of poker at that time, 24 hours a day, you could play as much as you wanted. And they had these things called satellite games where what you, what you would do is you would do a little bit of money to go into a tournament. And then if you won the tournament, because so many people were playing it, then uh, you would be able to uh, get a big prize. Okay. And one of the satellite tournaments, one of the prizes was, is that they would pay for you to, your your expenses to travel to Vegas. They would pay for your lodging and you would be able to, they'd do a buy-in for one of the events for the World Series of Poker. And there's, people have heard of the World Series of Poker. There's a main event, which is $10,000 to buy in. But then there are also these satellite, all these other satellite events, right? Which are like 2,500 or 1,200 or whatever, right? There's a lot of other little um, satellite events because the World Series of Poker runs for like a month. All right, it's just—it's like it is the world's, you know, it's the world series of poker. Everybody for that, that is anybody in poker goes and plays. And so, in 2004 was the year after that. Chris Moneymaker won the everything, and all these poker players were famous, like Scotty Wynn and Phil Hellmuth, and like all these guys. Suddenly, everybody in the world knew who they were. Like they they hit through pop culture, and you put that with with rounders or whatever. So it was like 2004 was I I would say that that was sort of the apex of the celebrity of everyone and then people started to find out what poker was really like and it kind of went down from there and it kept its momentum and normal people play it and college kids and all that and people still play it for money and all that but it wasn't ever as big I don't think as 2004 so anyway so I started playing these online events. I got really good at poker, and uh, I I entered in this this satellite event that had two two thousand and two hundred online players. Two thousand and two hundred online players, and I won. And so the full tilt was like, you get to go to Las Vegas, and we're going to put up your stuff, and you we're going to pay for one of your um, one of your uh, one of which one of your um, uh, a bracelet event to, to, to try, not the 10,000 main event, but regular. I was like, awesome. And then I was like, all right, well, let me try this again. And then so I played more, played more, played more, played more. And then I entered into another uh, poker event and I beat 2,000 people again. So two things happened. One is that they're going to enter me into another bracelet event. So I was going to get to do to play in two live events twice. But the other thing was, is that I had just, if I had, if you win something once, it's a fluke. Okay. If you if you can do the same thing twice, it's a trend. And so I was like, I'm actually pretty decent at poker. I just beat out 2,000 people in a tournament twice, right? And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good at poker. And so, uh, well, but and that's I'm good at games and I like games because that's the way my mind works is if you put me in a system, I can look at all the data and, and pick out inflection points. It's like when I used to play chess, I would have all these absurd absurd sacrifices and gamuts in the middle game to win. Just I love it. It just would be sublime. I would love it. My brain just goes crazy on shit like that. It's patterns. My brain loves looking at patterns and and meth and turning them around and abstract patterns. Not like math. I I I, I don't enjoy math, but like abstract patterns, right? Abstraction. 
And my brain just looks at it and just wiggles it all around and like loves it and then see what happens with it. Right. It's part of my creative process. And so anyway, so I was like, oh, I'm a badass at poker. So I got to the World Series of Poker and it was crazy. Like people were always there were so many people there. And I just remember seeing all these people that were on TV and they were treated like rock stars and they were loving it. Because you could tell, like if you're a poker player, you know, it's the, the, the glamorous part of poker of watching these tournaments. That's not what, you know, that's not what poker is. That's part of it. But 95% of poker, you know, I started to play like in-person poker. Los Angeles, you know, this was not great for me. Los Angeles is has the best poker rooms in the country, even probably better than Vegas because there there's lots of card rooms in um, Los Angeles that all like the really high level, high level, high level play. And I don't know what the, what the zoning is, how they can gamble and do that but they do they have like commerce casino and all these things and it's like la has a one of the strongest poker um one of the strongest poker communities in in the country if not the world and so um but when i started to play in person it it is like dingy it, it is like a cast of characters i played poker once with a guy who he his hands had sores on them because i don't know if he just from doing the cards or all the bacteria and so like he had sores on his hands and i was like i got where's the hand sanitizer i mean forget about coronavirus now like i was like jesus and it was just like people would just sit there and they would you could smoke and they would just like it, it, and it turns you into this like troll like you've got to make sure that you don't exercise if it's so easy just to turn into like this golem character just playing cards to the river, right? But I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time because I never played in-person poker before, right? But it's not glamorous. The, what you think it is in the cast of characters, it's it's not that. I got. Let's just say this. I got a lot of business as a criminal defense attorney from my poker playing days, and uh, it was the first time that I ever played poker for money, not at a home game. Um, oh, I forgot about that story. The the delivery pizza boys in high school with the guns. Okay, I'll tell that story at a different time. So anyway, so I I played. Um, so I got there and all these people being treated like rock stars. And I was like, this is amazing. And I got my ass handed to me because <clears throat> playing poker at home where you don't have to worry about your face, you don't have to worry about giving anything away. You're in your underwear and you can kind of just sit there and you can have, like, if you need to, you can have a calculator and figure out the odds and have a piece of paper. Totally different than being in person. And I got my ass handed to me because they're two, it's a totally different animal. But what it did do for me was... Uh, it it gave me a way to make money that fed my natural skills, and it was it was something totally different than what I and then either of my other skills as a writer or being a lawyer or anything, and it it just fed me. It just gave me a success. And so I started playing poker, a lot of it. And I would, you know, I could go down the casino and I could make 500 bucks or whatever. And I was, I was, you know, talking to, you know, people at the time weren't super happy with that. And it's not super uh, attractive as a potential mate, let's just say. And uh, it was a crazy ass time. And so it was like running away with the circus. You know, the whole concept of running away with the circus is the circus comes to town. You go to the circus and you're amazed by the magic of the circus. I took my wife to um, 
this show once. And the show was, was it Chevalier, I think, which is horse show, because my wife likes horses and she loves animals. And so I got us these sweet, I like, less, I don't know, took all my money, rent money, and I bought us these front row tickets. And the show is amazing. And these people like riding these horses around and just amazing show and it was magical. And then because of the, because of the ticket that I had bought, you could go behind the scenes afterwards and you saw the horses and there was this, this horse Jazzy and they were like, don't touch Jazzy and because Jazzy will bite you. And so we had this running joke for like 10 years. It's like, oh, it's Jazzy because someone's real prickly. And anyways, and so, but I'll never forget that one of the, uh, it was amazing. I was like, oh my God, this would be so awesome. Um, one of the, one of the, the, the actors or horse riders or whatever, um, was leaving a trailer or something and they had normal clothes on and they were just going somewhere. And for whatever reason, there was something about him and, and he just didn't seem happy or, or he was just like, oh, I'm just doing the, doing the show again, right? And uh, it kind of broke the magic for me of the show. And, and, and the it's not as glamorous traveling with horses all around the country doing the same show over and over and over again. Um, you know, if you're, if you're one of the kind of the bit players that do that, uh, it's not that glamorous, I don't think. And it's, it's kind of like a real circus and just like when I was a kid in North Dakota there was every once a year the the fair would come but it wasn't like a state fair like you think it was like literally carnies you know like like old school scary carnies and you'd have a pop gun with a cork in it you try to knock things over that they probably come up with this fair in the 50s and it just was like not great man it's like people assembling and disassembling this equipment, this is, you know, kids are going to fly off and get decapitated, you know, it's like, it's, it's just not that glamorous, but in life, when you go into a new area of something and you've never done it before, it's glamorous to you and you don't know the ins and the outs, just like doing trials as a criminal defense attorney, right? Or as a prosecutor, like you might think that doing jury trials is amazing. And I'm not going to lie to you. It was really fun. Like the first 30 of them, like super, super fun. But after the kind of the newness of it wears off and the adrenaline wears off, it's just kind of a grind and everything. A lot of things are like that. If it doesn't, if it feeds your skills, but doesn't feed your soul. If it feeds your skills but doesn't feed your soul, then it's it will wear off. And that was the thing for poker for me is was it fed my skills? And I had some crazy ass experiences, but it was not, it was like really fun to go to Vegas and, um, you know, my, you know, Kristen and I went to Vegas together and, and, uh, she thought it was cool. Cause I was like playing poker, you know, and it was like, I'd won and she's like, Oh, maybe he's smart. And it's not necessarily that I'm smart. It's just, I have a really high level of skill at games, like game theory and games. And, um, it's a really narrow skill. Right. And so we, we know my high school GPA was two, seven, six. It doesn't really come out for, um, academic success but i had really you know it's a really high level of abstract concepts taking large data sets and and making things out of them right that's why i can i can help entrepreneurs help them really narrow down what it is they're trying to do with their businesses and and make sure that we protect the right things because i know what it's like to run away with the circus and if you if you run away with the circus in your own business or you run away with the circus um, for a side hustle or in your freelance gigs, then you're just chasing the same dollar. And cause that's what poker is, right? Poker doesn't create anything. All poker does is it re it just moves money around. So like everyone has to make money somewhere else. They bring that money into poker and then that money is moved around by the people in the poker ecosystem. So all of the people that play poker recreationally, 
They come in and that money is all taken away from them by people who play poker professionally. And then that money that those they use in their bankroll, they then use against each other in cash games and tournaments. But the ecosystem of poker doesn't create anything. It doesn't create money. It just moves money around. So it is like the anti-entrepreneur is, is it's anti-creation and I'm a creative person and but I, I went down the rabbit hole I ran away with the circus for a long time like I don't know two years I was playing poker on and off and at one point I even considered doing it professionally and I was like alright so, uh, and I decided against it it's just like skeleton racing when I was like well do I really want to go do you know the bobsled developmental team it's like no right but it was a long it was a, I, ran, I had still ran away with the circus long enough that it took me away from building anything, you know, learning about myself, building anything um, that was new and it was false feedback. I understand, listen, I understand that everything is a lesson and that is a concept that I talk about as well, that there's, there's just winning and learning. However, we have a limited amount of time and there's an unlimited amount of options. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that our lessons are, are, are positive feedback, not false feedback. I use the analogy of, you know, if you were tuning your guitar and you you tug a guitar, you know, plug your guitar into an amp and you're getting feedback and you're trying to correct on it, but it's feedback from another person's guitar, you know, you're playing someone else's guitar, it's not going to work. You, you can't fix your own guitar because it's someone else's feedback. And that's what, when you, you know, you, when you run away with the circus, just because you're getting dopamine from an experience that's outside of what you, what you're getting uh, of your normal life doesn't mean it's for you because there are people that playing poker is for them and those people will eat you alive. Just like in business, there are people, whatever business that you look to go into there are people that have that that is the business for them that they have decided that that is their business and that they have committed to and it's not like a I'm running away with the circus it is a serious life's pursuit for them and those people will eat you alive and so you do yourself and your skills a disservice by using them in that way by me taking my skills and I, I don't know what, a, what you would call it, but my ability to look at patterns, my ability to play games, right? And take that skill and put it in the poker world is a disservice to my skills because that's not the world for me. But I was being selfish and I was relying on my skills because I was too afraid to go into the understory and learn about myself. Because if you learn about yourself and you figure out what you're really about and what you really want, you may not get it and it's risky. But if you never say to yourself or learn what you really want, then, you know, you can just, you can always have excuses about why you don't get things. And so it takes courage. And for me, I just had to have so many years of, I just had to have so many years of false wins and upsetness, if that's even a word. Um... But I was just forced to do it. Like, I don't want you to think, oh, I'm so courageous that I learned about myself. Like, I'm 47. Like, I probably could have done this in my 20s. But I just wasn't, I was didn't have the courage to do that. And I just, I had to get punched in the face so many times where I literally was like, I just can't do this anymore. There must be an answer. And I'm finally willing to find it. I'm willing to step on that path of understanding. And the path of understanding, I talk about it when I say at the end, there's, you know, there's no end to the path of understanding. It's the path of understanding yourself. If you had 10 lifetimes, you could never understand everything about yourself. You're that complicated. But you only need one lifetime to figure out enough about, about yourself to be able to set yourself on the right path of what you want to do, how you want to serve people.
And if you don't understand yourself, you'll get in the help trap. You'll just help people. And that's great to help people, but I want you to serve people because serving people is pretty glorious because there's a relationship where you both get something from it. When you help someone, only one person gets something from that. Oh, Lily's heard this before. She's bored, snoring. Blind dog in the background, pandemic podcasting. And so like, look, like the lesson from it is don't run away with the circus just because you can. If you're making any money in a way other than something that you choose, and I don't know, people call it a different thing. They call it your guiding light, your North star, your guiding star, your sacred mission, whatever. It's like whatever direction you want to point yourself. I don't like the term North star because North star is fixed. And you, you know, you're going to pick, you, you need to pick something you need. You, you may choose to pick something as a guiding principle for you now. That's like the best heuristic that you can, like it's true enough for you pragmatically now. And then you're like, that's when you, that's when there's winning and learning. All right. It's not a false feedback. If you get in your working papers and you do the best that you can and you pick a, a direction and you can feel good enough about that direction because you've done the work. But the North Star is a fixed point. I don't want you to get your understanding, your perspective is going to change. It's going to enlarge as you go through the process of learning about yourself and in business. And you may decide to go in a totally different direction. And when people say, oh, it's my sacred mission or it's my North Star or whatever, I get real nervous about that because what if you, you know, I don't want you to get trapped by your own mission. You know, you'll see people who will, they'll, the, the, like Barry Sanders, for example, left football at the height of football. And you're like, how could he do that? Because to me, playing football was amazing. But it, that'd be amazing, right? He was so amazing. But at the time, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go do something else. And that's, I respect that so much because you know that he did the work that I'm talking about. You know that he was like, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And it was right for him for a while. And now he wanted to go do something else. They're, they're, you know, professional sports is a great example because we all are amazed by it. And you see people, you know, more and more leaving professional sports to go pursue something that that's important to them. Nothing wrong with professional sports. If you were built for it and that's your choice and that's what you want to do, great. But but it's not someone else's someone else's apparent. How do I say this? Your dream that can never be accomplished because it's just a dream and someone else can do that is not doesn't box them into what they have to do. We all have the dignity of choice. And so don't begrudge people who choose to do something different than than you could just because they could because they don't want to run away with the circus. It becomes a circus for them. They don't want to run away with the circus. Neither should you. You have like, look, you may not have the same skills as me in terms of to be able to have like the games theory skills that I have um, or the speaking skills that I have that I've developed over 20 years. But you have things you can do things that I can't do that I look at you and be like, holy shit, like, how do you do that? And you take them for granted. And everyone has a skill like that. And the danger is, is that you can run away with the circus if you and I talked about this yesterday, if you rely on your skills and you don't cultivate them, I was just relying on my gamesmanship skills to make me money in a situation because I could, but I wasn't cultivating my skills. I wasn't figuring out, Hey, how can I use my games, my game theory skills, my pattern seeing skills? How can I use them in a way to serve people? I'm just going to go into a, I'm just going to go into a, a universe where they just move money around and I'm just going to pull money to myself. There's not a lot of glory in that for me. Now, I'm not begrudging poker players or some people, they like the lifestyle and loves them to travel and do what they want. And that's a good fit for them. And that's not running away with the circus for them. That's that's their mission. But for me, it was the wrong place to go. And it was a rabbit hole and it was just false feedback. And I it's it's a danger. And running away with the circus is real. 
And especially when you start to do grand gestures. So like you, the worst thing that can happen for you is you try to shake it up and do something different for yourself in a, in a totally different box just, just because, and then you get false feedback on it. And you're like, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. And then 10 years from now, you're like, holy shit, I'm living in LA and I'm trying to be an actor. And this really wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Because believe me, there are people who are, that's what they're supposed to be doing and they're still there. And they'll never quit because that's their gig. That's, and that's their life's that's their life's mission, and they accept they accept the outcome of that choice because it is like a soldier. You know, soldiers, true warriors, are at peace with the chance of dying. This doesn't mean that they speak. They don't. It doesn't mean they don't feel fear. But if you talk to someone who's like a true warrior, that's their their calling. They go into every situation knowing that they may die, and they're okay with that. They're okay. They've accepted that possible. They don't want to, but they've accepted that possible consequence. It's the same thing for whatever your chosen way to serve people is, because it's, it may not work out the way that you want it to. You may not get wealthy. You may not change the world. You may only just change your world enough to have, you know, your family's world. But if you're truly living what you choose to live as your calling, then you should be and you accept that because the calling is enough. That's a scary thing. That is a scary thing to uh, entertain. That the calling has to be enough for you, whatever it is that you choose, and that's why it's incredibly important what you pick. And if you just are chasing the same chasing the same dollar because you're relying on your skills, you're not cultivating them, and you're not choosing, you're just kind of like using the KPIs that everybody else uses, which so is money. Man, you're setting yourself up for. Um, um, you're setting yourself up for a fall, and some. Uh, uh, Garrett J. White is uh, he's the head of the um, I guess you call it the Warrior Movement or whatever. And you may like him or hate him or whatever, but he said something once that scared the shit out of me. And he said, "What if when you die, you meet the best version of yourself?" And when he said that, I I was like, "Ooh, that is." What if I ran away with the circus and I became a professional poker player and then I passed away and then my 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 self came to me and was like my true self, right? That I met, what I could be or the best part of me and was just like, you did what? With the skills that you had? Like, look what you could have been for you. I'm not saying poker is bad, but poker was not a good fit for me. I, my, I am so high in openness. It's impossible for me to like, it's impossible for me to lie in, in, in that setting. And, and uh, it's impossible for me to conceal. Like poker is the worst thing I could do. Like the gamesmanship, I'm high on gamesmanship and high on the ability to understand it. And the chess playing aspect of it, I'm really good at. But the openness part, which is, which is you cannot be open and be a ch- chess player. You have to conceal everything. And that's just not a skill that I had. And so I, I just would get just found out all the time. <laughs> You know, poker players don't do everyday podcasts where they talk about their whole life. It's just, they're just not high in openness, like world-class ones. They just, everything is, they don't give away, they don't want to give away anything. You know, I give away everything. And so, like, but what would it have been like for me if that was what it was? And then it's just like, imagine the, imagine the regret that you feel. And it's nobody else that would impose that regret upon you. It's yourself. Oof, setting yourself up for a fall. So it's dangerous to run away with a circle. So what I want you to do is I want you to take out your working papers. If you don't have any working papers, take out, you know, buy yourself a journal for the love of God. And if you don't have a journal, go ahead and take out your uh, unicorn trapper keeper from the fifth grade and just pick one of the areas, you know, commerce, connections, creations, pick one of those areas and be like, look, when in my life have I run away with a circus in one of these areas where I've been relying upon my talents and not cultivating them? Or am I doing that now? 
And if I'm doing that now, am I chasing the same dollar over and over again? Because it's scary, the ultimate conclusion of that. And what would that be like 20 years from now, even five years from now, even a year from now, the time that you lose? If you can experience exponential growth from learning from the side, which you can, and you can change your life exponentially very quickly, what, what does a year mean to running away with a circus? It's an exponential loss. It's not a linear loss. So take a look at that. Explore it. And just remember, there is no end if you stay on the path to understanding. If you are listening to this podcast and you are an online entrepreneur, I know exactly what it feels like to be you because I am one. I know what it's like to know that you are smart and work your ass off, but always feel like you cannot get traction. I know what it feels like to have your spouse support you outwardly, but on the inside, they're saying to themselves, is this going to work? And I know that you want to create something in business, but you always end up chasing the same dollar over and over. Or maybe you want to create something in the arts, but you feel like you shouldn't play there. So you wander in the forest, stuck in the understory. I spent over 40 years there fighting the same monsters and bandits over and over. And when I discovered that if you learn what the understory is and you start to go there on purpose, you can find a clearing where you have clarity and power in your commerce, connections, and creations. You handle the forest like a badass ranger with the proper mindsets and skill sets that you need. Not once chosen for you by some guru or your parents, but chosen by you on paper on purpose. We can walk the understory together, but I cannot find you unless you raise your hand and say, I'm over here. Subscribe to my email list at understorylawyer.simplecast.com. Let's find your clearing together, a place free of entanglements, a place with a bedrock foundation, and a place where you set the boundaries, not anyone else.